0: You're getting something from the other that might be taken away from you. And then that is what makes the the jealousy rise, that you're afraid to lose something that the other one is providing for you. And you start to understand that actually that is not so, that rather the relationship is about what you want to offer into it rather than what you want to get out of it. Then usually jealousy subsides.
1: welcome fellow human. My name is Zachary Stockhill and you are listening to Humans in Love, a podcast that looks at culture, relationships, and personal development from unconventional perspectives. Join me as I dig into the question of how people like you and I might get more out of life and love. Thanks for being here. Hello, friends. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for joining me today and listening to another episode of Humans in Love podcast. Today's episode, I'm joined once again by my friend and teacher, Blandine Wegner. Blandine is a yoga teacher at Mahasiddhi Yoga School here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And as I told you in episode 33 when I was introducing her again, definitely one of the most insightful and eloquent speakers I've heard on the topic of love, lovemaking, and relationships. In today's episode, we go deeper into how to overcome jealousy in our relationships. And Blandine shares some really useful and insightful perspectives and perspective shifts that can help us overcome jealousy and possessiveness. We also go deeper into several of the themes and topics we began to explore in part one of this conversation, which was back in episode 33. And I think it'd be a good idea to go back and listen to episode 33 if you haven't already to prepare you for this discussion. But if you'd rather not do that, that's cool too if you've ever struggled with any kind of jealousy or you're just looking for ways to improve your relationship, I think you'll get a lot out of today's episode. A quick reminder before we get started that if you're enjoying Humans in Love and you dig what I'm doing and you'd like me to keep doing it, please go to Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and a review. And also be sure you're subscribed to the show because all of those numbers are very helpful when I'm trying to get the show out to more listeners. Without any further ado, please welcome once again, my good friend, Blandine Wegener. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about jealousy, because uh, that was something that I said that I wanted to, to speak to you about. What is the tantric approach to dealing with jealousy and possessiveness, uh, and more personally, have you experienced jealousy and possessiveness, and if so, how have you dealt with that in
0: your mm. life? So, in general, you could say, so jealousy is a thing, right? So you cannot just ignore it and, uh, and do the whole um, ultra-spiritual thing of just saying, uh, jealousy, no, that's not a thing for me because that's not something I believe in or something. Which no, you
1: encounter like, a lot of people doing, right? Yes,
0: exactly. It's a thing. That doesn't mean it has to remain a thing. It doesn't mean um, you need to buy into the jealousy and feed it. And like Hollywood would like us to believe, um, make it a, a token of love, make it like a symptom of love. Oh, what? But if you're not jealous, you don't love me. That's, of course, completely silly. In Tantra, um, it is said, when love comes in, the ego goes out. And when the ego comes in, love goes out. And in that little process that we're basically back and forth between really loving our beloved and also ourselves and um, having the ego come in, when the ego comes in, then all of these different distortions come in. The distorted viewpoint upon the, the other, upon yourself and upon the relationship. May that be envy and jealousy. May that be, um, you know, being proud and arrogant towards your partner. May that be possessiveness. Um, May that be having all sorts of angers and aggressions towards your partner. May that be being indifferent to the other one. So all all sorts of distortions that the ego has in order to not get too close, in order to not merge, in order to not, let's say, lose your limitations into the relationship, they will, you know, show themselves and in Tantra we would rather take it as a good opportunity to clear this stuff up in order to have ourselves uh, less limited, have ourselves more open, more capable to love and so forth. So in Tantra you don't remove the jealousy and the possessiveness for the other or for I don't know what, you do it in order to uh, delimit yourself, you allow the relationship to become a pointer and uh, even like a map or a a measurement device to show you um, where you're at, also personally in your capacity to love and in your capacity to let go of certain limits that you might have. Now, that being said, you can't sort of find a a quick fix bypass solution to that, like just saying, oh, excuse me, I'm just not jealous anymore. That won't work. But you will need to uh, face the issue um, heads on. And that would mean to, first of all, become very honest about what is this jealousy actually about. And if you would start honestly reflecting upon, okay, I'm sitting here right now and I'm having the experience of jealousy right now in this moment. How does that feel in my body? What kind of Uh, thoughts occur with it what kind of feelings towards myself occur with it rather than immediately projecting the problem out on the partner and saying well I'm having a jealousy because look at you you are being a jerk or you are being a bitch or whatever thing you might be thinking or even saying Um, so that would be point one of tantra dealing with jealousy sit with the feeling be with it Become responsible. Take responsibility for your own feelings, and then allow them to show you what's actually up. And usually, what is up with jealousy is that there is a lack of confidence. You might be, um, you might be afraid of losing something that is dear to you. You might be afraid that once the other one. Uh, Either just moves about the world freely, or even maybe has other relationships if that's something you're into, or even just you know has an you know has an openness towards the world and you know being flirtatious with other people or whatever might be triggering you, that that actually um, brings out your own insecurities and making you think about okay wait a second but for sure I'm not good enough to live up to you know them seeing other standards, other possibilities. Oh, no, they are, you know, look at their market value. They are able to flirt with all these people, and I can't live up to that. So there's usually some sort of insecurity and some sort of confidence problem. And then that would be the thing to address. You don't have to address anything within the relationship. It's a, it's, jealousy is something that you need to figure out with yourself. Of course, your partner can support you in the process, that's not a question and that, of course, hopefully your beautiful relationship has that element of friendship as well where you can openly talk about these things and share how you feel and then support each other in the process. But it has to be first and foremost understood that jealousy is not a problem that the other one is triggering in you, but it is a confidence thing that needs to be solved within yourself. And, of course, the <clears throat> the solving agent, so to say, um, in Tantra would be to... Um, gradually learn that real self-confidence is not based on any asset it's not based on something that you did or do something some talent that you have some beautiful face that you have some ability to make love that you have or whatever but confidence real self-confidence just derives from the fact that you exist that you are a part of this universe you were given a space within this universe And the universe thought it's a good idea to to put you there and to make you part of the whole thing, right? And when you gain a consciousness uh, of yourself, an awareness of yourself where you perceive yourself as part of the whole, where you perceive yourself as um, having a value just by being, then gradually um, a real self-confidence can grow from within. That is not based anymore on being better or worse than others or on doing a certain thing.
1: And I mean, we, can, we don't have to go here if you don't want, but I'm curious for you, like, you've been on this spiritual path for so long, you do this work for, you know, been doing this work for a long time. Um, when jealousy comes up for you, mm. how do you deal with it?
0: Yeah, I didn't actually mean to dodge that question, I no, <laughs> just forgot about it. Um, <clears throat> so, basically, in the same way, jealousy does come up for me, and it does come up for me a lot. It's one of my major things that I need to work with. For other people, it's other things. And this is maybe something that, um, you know, if jealousy is a problem for you, you might um, have either the illusion that you're the only one having the problem or you might have the illusion that everybody has this problem. But, um, yeah, neither of them are true. And um, when, yeah, when jealousy comes up for me, the first thing that I try to do is exactly what I just described, to just sit with it, to just accept, again, just accept what is just allow for whatever is inside of me to show itself but first things first to not just put it on my beloved to not just say well you created the problem you are the problem your actions are the problem but to understand okay this is something that is that is happening within me. There are certain mechanisms now at work inside of me that I don't see them necessarily very perfectly right now. I don't maybe understand them, but I can understand that something is happening inside of me and I can just sit with that. <clears throat> and then that, that usually helps me to, let's say, start the process of gradually moving out of jealousy, to just sit with it, understand what's happening inside of me, embracing what's happening inside of me. And then from there, from that space of just centering and feeling myself, it will be possible to move forward. Also good to understand that jealousy is a very mind-based thing. It's very much about the mind getting agitated. Very often, <clears throat> the problem of jealousy is not that you are standing next to your partner and they make a flirty comment towards someone else. That might be a moment that, that is the trigger. But then... that's not the problem the problem is that you keep thinking about this for three weeks you know and that in your mind it's like making all sorts of comments about that what does that mean and what happened there and then you go to your beloved the day after and you say oh but what you did there that was so triggering for me and it's not happening right now why are you suffering from something that was going on in the past. Well, it is because there's loops and loops and loops going on in your mind that keep you suffering. When you understand that, when you understand that, it's your agitated mind that makes you suffer most of the time within jealousy. There's, you know, like a half of a percentage, the actual things that might be happening. But then the rest is really something that is just, um, you know, going on within your own head. Um, understanding that sort of gives you a lot of freedom because then it's like well okay I could also just choose to you know stop having these thoughts as in focusing on something else not so much distracting oneself but rather sitting and meditating for example just breathing just becoming aware of the body just even something simple as counting your own fingers and your own toes it will already remove you a bit from this loops and stories going on within the mind. So for me, these sort of tools, they are very helpful. One thing that helps me massively on the jealousy front um, is actually a relatively new discovery as like an inner experience. It's something, okay, that I knew before in theory, but now I start to experience it. Something that I shared with you privately before Um, is to shift from an attitude of um, lack to an attitude of overflow and to um, to sort of reflect for a moment when you start feeling jealous especially when there's not much to it I mean it's another thing if you have certain boundaries and things that you for now don't want to embrace within your relationship okay fine and talk to your partner and and that's that but especially in moments of jealousy that really they don't you know, they're they're just not real, just um, something that mainly plays out in your head, is to just reflect for a moment, what do I feel I need right now from the other that makes me so anxious to lose? Because that's usually the thing, that you feel you're getting something from the other that might be taken away from you. And then that is what makes the, the jealousy rise, that you're afraid to lose something that the other one is providing for you and you start to understand that actually that is not so, that rather the relationship is about what you want to offer into it rather than what you want to get out of it, then usually jealousy subsides. For me, it's like a, a direct um, remedy, you could say, against jealousy. Like in the moment it rises up, I just start to feel, okay, wait a second... What do I feel am I lacking? Why am I so afraid of losing something here? What do I feel I don't have within myself that I need from the other? And then just becoming aware of that attitude. I don't even need to necessarily know exactly what I'm trying to get from the other one. But just becoming aware that I'm having this, that I'm trying to pull something from the other towards myself. I'm even trying to hold on to them. Even like I get this image of holding my partner by the by the collar or by the shirt or something and then just letting that go and understanding no this is this is not what what I'm about within a relationship for me a relationship is about uh, offering something wonderful to to another human being but also to the relationship to something <clears throat> to this beautiful process that is happening between the two of us what can I offer to that? And in that moment when it when it shifts from this passivity of needing something to an active approach of understanding that I have so much to offer and there's nothing that I need from anyone because I'm one with the universe and everything's already offered to me, then jealousy goes away, like, on the spot.
1: Hmm. That's beautiful, yeah. I really like that perspective. That's uh, I think that could be helpful for a lot of people. I want to ask you a question that I think it, it's probably very difficult to answer generally. So if you want, you can answer it personally. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, <clears throat> both have, yeah, both have stuffy throats. We, uh, you know, there's this idea that I, I think about a lot, this idea that in a relationship you can, quote-unquote, practice with just about anyone. So, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in, you can create mechanisms for growth, and you can, you probably could turn, if you got into the relationship in the first place, you probably could turn it around and you know, grow it into whatever you want it to be. I think that's often true. I'm not sure it's always true, but I think it's often true that you, know, you can grow just about any relationship. Earlier this week, I had, had uh, an interview with um, a guy called Robert Glover, who wrote a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, and he was talking about how important it is to be a good ender in relationships, to cultivate the skill of ending a relationship when it's time. And doing that in a way that's you know kind to everyone involved, and but also cuts the relationship off before it gets into that toxic place where just everyone's miserable, and but you know people are too afraid to leave. I mean, and again, I I would imagine this is I, I'm thinking about it myself. If I was asked the question, I wouldn't. I'm not entirely sure how to answer it generally, I'd be speaking personally, but do you have any thoughts on when it's time to end a relationship, like when it's over, when everyone would be best served moving on? Because as I say that at the same time, this idea sticks in my head that, well, you can practice with just about anyone really, if you you want it bad enough. But do you you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so let me just like, first of all, make it very clear, especially, and I hope I'm not um, offending anyone, but especially for the ladies, um, don't stay in any abusive relationship yeah, course, ever. Like course. that should just be clear, yeah. Because this subject, when discussed with nuance, very often uh, makes people who have the tendency to stay in abusive relationships sort of find a niche to just continue a little mm. longer, you know. So I want to make this very clear.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's important. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat>
0: So in the moment, you are hurting each other, um, uh, either abusing each other emotionally or one of you is abusive emotionally or physically. This is never, ever, ever something you want to stay in. At all, ever. No um, exceptions to it whatsoever.
1: And I I guess I didn't mention that because I kind of just take that for granted. Mm -hmm. But obviously, yeah, you mentioned that, of course. That's really, really important. I guess I'm more referring to those situations where it's this kind of gray zone where you're not entirely fulfilled, maybe you're getting slightly bored, and there's nothing wrong, on paper at least, you know, like there's nothing, you know, there's no red flags like abuse or anything like that. It's just, you've reached what you might consider a plateau or things aren't as good as they used to be, or, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm talking more about those situations when it's like, is this the right thing for me?
0: Yeah. yeah. So here, um, I feel again, the. so why I'm making this so clear with the abuse is because always when we start speaking about, sort of principles that then trickle down to the more practical levels of applying them. Gray zones occur, question marks occur, and especially if you are not 100% um, honest with yourself or if you are not 100% clear about the principle, it can leave a lot of gray zone for a lot of stupid behaviors. So just to make this very clear, and especially to women, I like to underline this a lot because we tend to stay longer than we should now this being said <clears throat> in tantra the whole viewpoint upon a relationship um, is quite different as in you know if you would really if you would really want to go for the you know the the real principle of it it might not resonate at all with, you know, the average person just living their life. But I'm just going to say it already to then see, okay, but then how can we make this applicable, all right? So we will first just look where we are coming from. If you would look into, um, you know, the the whole idea of relationship on a background of we've been here thousands of lives, you know, knowing each other for a long time, um, basically continuing relationships with with often the same people over and over and over again you're getting to a very different viewpoint upon a relationship which is not something that maybe in your day-to-day life might be very practically applicable for you now but just to understand where tantra is coming from um, basically once you have established a connection from soul to soul it is nearly impossible to get out of it because even you can end this life and please if you are being awful to each other ended um but it might not be ended anyways and you might know this um this phenomena uh, even just in in within one life so to say that um is quite uh, sometimes even an impossibility to just remove a connection with someone once you've really loved someone they sort of stay in your heart even if you know we have these uh, funny ways of dealing with it especially in the um in the western society that maybe it's not so good to stay in touch with an ex or you can just never be friends after that or something which is something i don't believe in at all but even though we might put these limits to the relationship and say no we've been partners and now it's over and that's that you might feel that there is a connection that remains and many people even putting these rules of you know, okay, never meet an ex again because they are afraid that it just might flare up again, that it might never really be over somehow. And in Tantra, that's the thing like, yeah, it's never really over because, you know, the the souls are connected and that's just that. There's love between the two of you and that love will remain. If you want to express that love within a relationship, that's a whole other different question. If you want to express that love with a very particular, you know, a behavior with a very particular rhythm of seeing each other. That's a whole other question. But from that principle of understanding that anyways we are connected, the tantrics rather see it like a relationship having uh, its ebbs and flows, having its rhythms to it, so you know if you want to put that again on a soul perspective you might have some rhythms throughout lives that maybe in one life you're married and in another life you uh you just you know meet enough friends and in another life you might have an affair whatever it is that you know that might be a uh, a whole nother story but even just within one life it is good to be aware of the certain rhythms that are playing out within a relationship and to be um uh to be somehow willing and even eager and even enthusiastic about experiencing all these different layers of relationship together even if sometimes we might not feel to hang out every day in some moments of the relationship sometimes months sometimes years where we might just feel okay we are experiencing the relationship at the moment more from this friendship perspective and now we might feel again more passionate and more lovers about things Now, again this being said might be very um, easily misinterpreted by the ego as well yeah whatever let's just have it flow, let's just have it roll, which especially for guys is a problem who have this never touch a running system mentality very often and then fall into not making the according efforts that are maybe needed within uh, a relationship. So all that being said it basically boils down to really getting a feeling, getting a real feeling of what is on the menu in the relationship right now. What is what is uh, needed in a relationship right now? Needed as in not what you want and how can you get your little desires fulfilled, but what does the even the entity if that makes sense the entity of the relationship the the you know this unit that you form together what does it need from you right now my teacher likes to take this analogy that the relationship grows very similar to a human being it comes out as a baby and in the beginning it needs a lot of attention and a lot of milk and also a lot of sleep and a lot and it's of it is
1: fragile in some and, ways
0: yeah it's fragile you cannot just load stuff on it And then in time it grows up. But, you know, if it is a school kid, you can still not throw all sorts of nonsense on it. You have to do homework with it now, but also you have to be able to now tell it off if it's making a mess on the table, which maybe when it was a year old, you couldn't do it. Of course, the timeline is not the same, but you understand what I'm saying. And then at one point you're sending your relationship off to college, you know, and that's a whole other different thing. And eventually, you know, your relationship has children and so forth so it's good to understand like in a human life also within the life of a relationship there are many different um levels and moments and capacities of the relationship and in that sense you can also understand how a relationship can stay very uh interesting and invigorating and um Uh, feeling anew again and again because it is anew it is growing like a person and like you're not getting tired of your child and then say well by now it's boring it's been pooping and drinking for one and a half years already And, and even more of this now yeah even more of that but it will also learn to walk in that time which is the amazing new thing right And then when it comes home the first time with a good grade in school or something like that, right? So when you start to really feel the relationship and really become interested in the relationship, interested in what it means to relate to another person, when that starts to happen, then you start to tap into this, um, let's say, magic that can happen within a relationship. Which is, by the way, not, uh, oh, by destiny, you maybe find someone that will just make you happy your entire life. That's not how it works and I I think this is quite clear by now. It is a process that takes a lot of effort but that especially takes awareness, being willing to really sense what is going on and then asking yourself what is my part in this? What can I offer to this relationship right now? How can I participate to this relationship in an active way? Hmm.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, as usual, that's beautifully, beautifully put. Before, uh, before we wrap up with the last bit of our time here, and we're not in any big rush, but, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you again is, uh, I, wanted the retreats, there was a moment where all the men and women were separated. I think I told you the other day, and then you came in, uh, and it was almost like, I'm a woman, ask me whatever the hell you want, guys. Uh, and that was a really fun and, uh, it was a really interesting experience and I saw how the men in the room kind of lit up and sort of held themselves differently. And it was a really, I think a lot of them felt like this is a really cool and rare opportunity because you know, when as guys when we have questions about women like there's only you know so many women we can go to maybe in our lives to ask those questions and you're very very open and you give very you know honest feedback and stuff and that was a really interesting experience so I was hoping we can kind of create a similar container for this discussion I promise I won't ask you anything too (laughs) too embarrassing or cringy
0: test me a challenge yeah
1: yeah anything like that (laughs) but I thought I'd just ask you some some questions and uh and you could respond
0: Rapid fire round.
1: Yeah, something like that, yeah, but, not, but not too rapid fire. I mean, if there's something, you know, if there's a story or something, you feel burn. free. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, when do you feel most loved by your partner? And take these questions however you want.
0: I feel most loved by my partner uh, when they are present to me, like really deeply present. And by the way, that doesn't imply necessarily physical presence. If I can feel the presence of a man, that's it. I feel contained. I feel carried. And um, I've had relationships over many, many years, over long distance with not seeing each other very much. But uh, if my partner is capable of embracing me within his presence, and I'm also very sensitive to that, I can feel that quite easily, I'm fine. So that makes me feel very contained and loved.
1: When do you feel most angered or annoyed by your partner?
0: Mm, It's a good one. Of course, as a woman, it's like, oh, let me give you the list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See, I see the way you lit up there. (laughs) Your whole body language changed.
0: But I would like to, um, again, essentialize it more to, to a principle rather than like a list, a shopping list of stuff, which anyways... We is, don't have that much time. <laughs> yeah, and that's a tendency also that women have, which is not necessarily the point, yeah. right? To to give a shopping list of what you want. Um, probably what what like really angers me most, like not just, you know, oh yeah, I'm slightly annoyed and I'm over it in a split second, but... What would really anger me is um, like a, a stubbornness towards transformation and growth. This is, this is something I can't even, or I don't want to stick around too much. If a man is not willing to grow, there's always a glass ceiling, and even if maybe um, the love may allow us to stay together for a while, even maybe for some years, but if there's, if there's a lack of willingness to purposefully grow, purposefully move forward as individuals, but also within the couple, this is something that, on the long run, will frustrate me quite deeply.
1: When you are emotionally overwhelmed, shall we say, doesn't have to be you know, an issue concerning your partner, but just in general, you feel very, very emotional and very you know, uh, intense. What do you want from your male partner?
0: Again, that would be presence. Like, just that... Um, when,
1: when you say presence, could you unpack that a little bit? Because I, I know what you mean, but...
0: You know, yeah. Like, practically, let's say, very practically. Um, I'd, rather, I'd rather have him sit with me in silence. And, but not in silence, cleaning his fingernails. But in silence, <coughs> um, being, being aware of what's going on with me. Maybe... If you know if he wants to engage, then placing questions that allow awareness to arise inside of me, rather to ask me, "How do you feel right now rather than oh my god what 's going on what 's up right rather to bring again and again the viewpoint of awareness, oh, okay, I understand this is what happened at work with you today, okay, but how does that make you feel what 's going on inside of you right now, how do you feel in your body that would be that would be sentences and questions that, that will gradually, um, you know, polarize this overwhelming energy inside of me and allow me also to put the lights back on inside of me, which that is much more helpful to me than, um, I don't know, getting excessively worried or, uh, you know, if he freaks out when I'm freaking out, then that puts me into a place that I feel, okay, I, I can't uh, just be myself because that will make him flip. You know, so if you can just remain standing in the storm, no matter if the storm is, you know, (laughs) launched towards him or if it just is within me, that would be very helpful.
1: Yeah, you don't want him to match your energy in that moment, right? Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly.
1: That's well, yeah, that's great.
0: I mean, if he does, then that he's able to polarize that as well. Like he could be as emotional as I am, but still be full of awareness and presence too what's going on with us.
1: Are there any other, aside from presence, are there any other um, characteristics or traits or even like little gestures or anything that really like kind of turn you on, like when your man does it, like that really kind of make you feel loved or attracted to him or like anything like that?
0: Yes. Um, I I feel like, I mean, again, the, the principle of it being... Uh, you know an expression of consciousness awareness presence but it can come out like what what makes it so visible to me is when when a man carries himself with a certain confidence that is self um, self-aware enough to uh, to laugh about himself right this for me is a is a great um, a great um, marker somehow to where he's at in his state of presence to me it's usually like I know also for myself when I'm when I'm very centered and aware I can be very confident I can be very quiet and in the same time I can be very playful and I can be very um, very much enjoying the world around me because I'm anchored into presence and when I can see that happening in a man and within his gestures of just being at ease with himself, being just confident of who he is, not wanting to perform anything. I think that's, that's one of the big turn-off points for me, is a man that tries to perform something. But when a man can just be authentically himself, just exactly the way he is in that moment, that's a huge turn-on.
1: So in essence, being comfortable in his own skin, that's your main...
0: Yeah, Yeah. and if he's being uncomfortable, then being comfortable about that, you know? Like, just being authentically whoever he is in that moment.
1: I uh, So we've probably talked about this, but you know the love languages, the five love languages? Yeah, there there is something to that, I think. Would you agree, that whole idea? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've probably talked about this, but mine by like a mile is uh, physical touch and affection and that kind of thing. I think acts of service is number two. But, uh, and I love buying my partner gifts, but I, I feel like I'm not particularly good at it. And quite often, I mean, in the, you know, every girlfriend I've ever had has told me this, like, it's not about the cost or anything, it's about the thoughtfulness and the gesture and the indication that you know me very well and whatever. Um, so I'm not great at, at, at that, I, I think, in some ways. Do you have any thoughts on what makes a great gift? And even speaking personally, like, what's some of the nicest gifts or, you know, gift you've ever received from a guy? <laughs>
0: Well, actually, my love language is acts of service. So um, I would always sort of see it through that lens, right? So uh, a woman that has another love language might, you know, go at it quite differently. So maybe if you have a touch person sit here, they would say, give me a massage, always give me a massage, that's a great gift, right? And um, yeah, another one that maybe has has the words of affirmation would would maybe like you to give her a ton of compliments as a gift. Um, But... mm, I feel, again, by principle, anything that comes from the heart is good. And anything that is not just whipped out because it, you know, because it has to be, well, we have the anniversary now, we have the birthday now, we have to do something now. But um, rather to have it rise from a place of um, just allowing your love and your generosity to come forth, um, that would always be something that touches me much more again speaking through my lens right but i feel very touched um when the the gift that that a man gives to me somehow signifies the depth of his being so may that be that he's sharing something that something that's a pretty high bar (laughs) i know
1: (laughs) but i asked excuse
0: me i have my my standards (laughs)
1: of course no (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you it, it can get get me anything just it has to represent the depth of your being yeah I mean right. just
0: speaking about you for yeah, example yeah. you once gave a, a gift to Uriel which I felt was was very thoughtful um, which was, was this Leonard Cohen lyrics that's, that's right
1: I got him a, a book of Leonard Cohen's poetry I believe
0: yeah. yeah which is something that both of you share and it's revealing somehow even the depth of the relationship between the two of you which that it was touching me so much I kept talking about it Uriel for the next two weeks how you gave him that book and um, so, if it's something that is, um, that is revealing something about the relationship, about the, either the depth of your being or the depth of the connection, that is definitely something that will touch me the most. May that be that, you know, maybe you suck at giving gifts and you made the, the transformative effort of sitting down and just, you know, feeling into it really deeply and just letting yourself really be inspired of what would be something that would really fulfill. Me, for example, yeah, that would be that would be something that would touch me very deeply because you're making a transformative effort. Even if then the gift is something doesn't matter. It, I need it. I don't need it. It's irrelevant. But it would touch me in a very different way when it comes from from that place.
1: Mm. One thing I have learned about this, I think, in recent years, is uh, it's nice when there's something of a um, selfless, not sacrificial. That's the wrong word, but like. You know, taking a woman to see a show that you really have zero interest in seeing, but you know it would make her happy, or just little gestures like that, you know, that that don't really, they're not necessarily very expensive or whatever, but it just demonstrates, like, I care enough about you to put my own needs aside and to do something that I would never in a million years do by myself or with anyone else, but with you, it's, you know, gestures like that, I think. That's nice, right?
0: Totally. I'm getting better, right? (laughs) Yes, I would totally agree to that. Not every woman would, like, you know, some women, they just want to big rock on their finger and that's, that's true. That. <laughs> yeah. and that's fair enough but yeah for me it would be much more about that
1: yeah um, a couple more questions I wanted to ask you um, before before we stop today the first one is what are your thoughts on pacing in a relationship in other words meeting someone uh, dating for however long uh, going to bed together deciding maybe to be ex- sexually exclusive maybe the, making the transition to be engaged, getting married. Do you have any thoughts on... I mean, obviously, there's no one-size-fits-all answer here, but do you have any thoughts on how people should approach that? Because that's another issue that I feel like there's a lot of confusion around there, and people feel pressured to move things either you know, more quickly or slowly than they would prefer. Do you, mm-hmm. have, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, again, the high-level principle here that we already mentioned before is the... Um, Um, is the principle of the rhythm, which is very unique, as you say, to each relationship. And who am I to say that, uh, look, for you guys, it's completely wrong to, you know, marry within a year. You know, that might be the rhythm of your relationship. That being said, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of things that will make us somehow distort, will, yeah, will distort our viewpoint upon the rhythm within that relationship and um, somehow make it look more usually fast than it actually is just simply because we want our desires to be met right and not necessarily the deep needs of our being and the deep needs of the relationship and of the other but rather just getting what we want and I feel this can be a good practical checkpoint because you know as much as we could be fooled on the whole front of rhythm first thing you can practically do is just slow down a bit that will never be wrong Right. You could even even if you instead of marrying within a year, you marry, you know, after one and a half or two years, nothing is lost. Okay. Um, so you can always slow down a little bit just to give yourself the time to feel, to really feel into the very little
1: downside to doing that. Right. To slowing down.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think there's ever a downside to that. Of course there is the the very classic situation of a guy who might have commitment issues or something like that and just never going there that's not what i'm talking about but give yourself the time to feel out the rhythm of that particular relationship rather a little slower than too fast but keep moving forward for sure and then once you are uh, you're giving yourself the time to feel to feel the rhythm ask yourself not so much um, you know, what, what do I want as in, I mean, you know, also not wrong to be aware what you want, but not so much as in, you know, how can I get my, my desires and my little things um, that I want from this relationship, but rather ask yourself, where's this relationship at? What would feel right to you know to offer into the relationship right now again coming from rather this viewpoint of being active about it than being passive about it not so much wanting something out of it but rather giving something into the into it and that would usually better reveal the rhythm of the relationship than the passive approach because in the in the approach of getting something you will always want to get something fast but in the approach of giving something you usually you know, would hesitate a little more and then be like, all right, okay, okay, yes. If this is really what needs to be given now, then let me offer that and we'll come from a much more conscious place.
1: Mm. Yeah, I like the way you frame that. And, and finally, I remember in, when in one of the workshops we were talking about, uh, about sex and you, I think it was you said something to the effect of even before you have sex, think about what is the purpose of, like, why are we doing this? It gets back to an idea you talked about earlier, like, why are we having sex right now and that's a question that I think would strike a lot of people as either as well it's self-evident you know we're horny and we like we we love each other and what are you you getting at there but I I like this idea of going deeper into you know what is the purpose of our relationship and what is the purpose of our sex life could you talk about that a little bit like why is that idea so important of having a purpose for these things
0: Mm -hmm. it's actually nice that you that you're asking that because It was something I had in my head before, but then I didn't speak about it. Um, Basically, so by the principles of Tantra, you could say that anything that lacks purpose will eventually be purged.
1: Eventually be purged.
0: Yeah, from your life, from, you know, from the, you know, the particular unfolding of a certain process. So let's say... Um, you're asking yourself why is our relationship after one and a half, two, three five years sort of getting more slow, not having the same um, you know elevated passion let's call it to it, maybe not having the same uh, vividness of love in it what what is happening here very often um, this this happens because there's a lack of purpose there's a lack of understanding why are we are we within this relationship together? So also you could you could see the same thing within your body. If you are having, uh, if you are, for example, consuming something as simple as food that uh, is not essential, if you're eating more than your body needs, it will get heavy, right? You will have a heavy body, you will not be able to as purposefully use your body. And Eventually, in order to come to the, let's say, most harmonious and most effective expression of your body, you'll need to purge whatever is extra, whatever doesn't have a purpose, whatever doesn't have uh, any dynamism within your being doesn't have a purpose and therefore eventually needs to be purged. And the same is true for your relationship. So whatever energies you are accumulating, whatever you are indulging into, that is not essentially purposeful will eventually make your relationship heavy and have it die, or at least have it go into some sedative state that you don't necessarily enjoy, or you will need to purge it. So therefore, the, the tantrics, they try to stay as essentially on purpose as they can. Now, that doesn't mean you need to you know, run around and do stuff within your relationship. That's not the same thing. Um, there might be the moment within the relationship where it's absolutely purposeful and meaningful, to relax, to take regenerative time together, to take uh, regenerative time apart, to recharge the batteries of polarity, of attraction between the two of you, to Mm -hmm. make love or whatever it is. But the point is, whatever... Uh, you either have excessive or you're indulging into or you're getting stagnant into, eventually you will need to purge it in order to come back to a harmonious relationship. So the tantrics, they try to just, you know, ask that question first. Um, And that being said, the same counts, of course, within any erotic experience that that you might have. Meaning that um, if you're... uh, central games are not pointed towards a certain goal for example building the love building the connection unifying more expressing uh, your deep desire to merge and to unify with the other when that is not at least a bit within your awareness within your consciousness and sex is just sex then the sacredness of it is lost. It will become something that eventually will wear out the relationship rather than nourishing it. So placing that question of purpose is basically making sure that your erotic interactions are rather nourishing for the relationship and uplifting it and keeping it on track and making it more wonderful in time rather than weighing it down.
1: That's perfect. Yeah, that's great. And I, think that's, that's, I think that's a really good note to, to close on. Um, so thank you so much for this, Blending. It's always such a treat to be able to pick your brain like this and 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 talk to you um do you have any final final parting thoughts
0: i just hope we do it again sometime (laughs) (laughs) me too
1: (laughs) cheers to that thank you
0: thank you great
1: You enjoyed today's episode of Humans in Love. If you'd like to learn more about my guests, my work, or you'd like to listen to back episodes of the podcast, please visit humansinlove.com. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Humans in Love using your podcast app of choice. If you're a fan of Humans in Love, you'd like to help keep the show going and help me spread the word, please take 30 seconds out of your day to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Before I let you go, remember that life is short, so let's make it count. And thank you, as always, for your listenership and support. I'll talk to you again very soon.